Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is energy. And that energy is interconnected and interdependent. I basically, I call that energy love, unconditional love. So everything is made of this energy that is vibrating and it is all connected. So this is science, but also spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So science is just now catching up, but it's not new science. This science is over a hundred years old. So in my opinion, this science should be known by the mainstream population, which it isn't. But um, today's top show topic is You Are It with Aaron Apke. Thank you. Welcome, Aaron, for being my guest on Awake to Oneness Radio. Well, thanks for having me, Caroline. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. I discovered Aaron from his amazing YouTube channel last week, just a week ago. And it sounded like me. <laughs> this YouTube channel. I'm like, wait a second, is that me? <laughs> We're so in alignment on so many things. So please, Aaron, you're only 30 years old. You're very young. Please share with our listeners your journey of awakening. Well, you're actually right. You were listening to yourself, just in another filter. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> you are it. Because you are just another me. Yep. Younger, probably taller, <laughs> skin a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just a bunch of different colors, that's all. Yes, very true. Yeah, well. Share, share with our listeners. So I grew up in the Christian tradition, like I'm sure many of your listeners probably did. Uh, I was a, born and raised as a pastor's kid. And my dad was the pastor of a very large uh, evangelical church in the Bay Area, here in uh, Bay Area, California. And so I grew up around a lot of the miraculous, um, supernatural stuff. Uh, I saw a lot of physical healing, uh, performed a lot of physical healing, uh, you know, speaking in tongues, even like a lot of, uh, you know, demonic possession and things like that. So I was exposed to all of the supernatural from the time I can remember. Um, My church was very progressive. In, in its theology where my dad, I never heard him preach a single sermon about hell or anything dogmatic, really. It was always emphasizing the good stuff. You know, God is love. We should all love one another and stuff. But uh, when I, I wanted to be a worship pastor uh, growing up. So when I went to college, I got my degree in, in music and theology. And then I took my first job here in San Jose as a worship pastor. And the church I was at was very fundamentalist. Um, and I was exposed to a lot of uh, dogma that I didn't have to really be exposed to much growing up. Of course, I believed, you know, theoretically in hell, but I kind of believed, uh, you know, it must just be some vast desert where God is not present. You know, I didn't believe that it was some torture chamber and things like that. Um, I didn't believe that, you know, women are inferior to men and all this different stuff. But when I got to this church, they believed all that stuff. And so I was like forced to see it every day and hear people talking about it and so very quickly it just started grating on me spiritually and uh i couldn't stand being in that environment i mean i hated being there okay Um, 
and I have a whole video detailing that experience uh, if you want to watch that. But long story short, I saw it and shared it. <laughs> oh, that's right. You showed that one. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. So there was kind of like three pivotal things that happened that really broke the camel's back for me. Uh, but I won't get into that here. So I, I came out of that church when I was 23 and moved back to where I'd been to college and had some friends in Oklahoma and just devoted my whole life to seeking what my truth was. Cause I knew it wasn't the dogmatic religious stuff anymore, but didn't really know what I believed. So I started listening to Eckhart Tolle and Alan Watts and all these different people and just kind of took off from there. So. Okay. Short summary. Wow. So you started listening to Eckhart Tolle and that kind of metaphysical teaching when you were 23. Yeah. He was the gateway for sure. Yes. Uh, you know, Rupert Spira, Deepak yes. Chopra, Muji. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite book is, books is The Power of Now. And yeah. yeah, and understanding that all there is is the now. And I know one, when I start, when I read The Power of Now and understood all there is is the now, I stopped using the terminology reincarnation. Mm-hmm. I say sim- totally. simultaneous incarnations because we are living all of our lives right here. And now, and now is our power, point of power, meaning what we do here and now affects the past and the future. And what's amazing, I recently learned that, um, what's his name? Stephen Hawkins, who mm-hmm. recently passed away, but his work proved that the now, um, scientifically, his work proved that now affects the past as well as the future. We wow. think, yeah. I was surprised to hear that scientifically. They haven't even proven that. I got it from understanding the power of now and from Eckhart Tolle's work, mm-hmm. but didn't know science had actually, they have done experiments now. I'm not a scientist, and I don't know how they prove this stuff scientifically. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, but everything I believe in my heart to be true uh, when I say believe, for me, it's a knowing. Because right. when it comes from inside, it's not even a belief, it's a knowing. Mm-hmm. And everything I know to be true in my heart has been proven scientifically. So that's what has me so excited. Yes. And it's really science. I was sharing with you before we started to record, but it was really quantum physics that awoken me to the truth of oneness. I didn't yeah. understand oneness, even though I had been studying metaphysical metaphysics off and on for 30 years, longer than you were even born. Since longer than I've been alive. <laughs> since I was a teenager back in the mid to late 70s, mm-hmm. because um, the dogma of religion never resonated with me. So yeah. I would hear it as a chi- young child, like four, five years old, but I couldn't say, yeah, I couldn't say, no, nah, this doesn't make sense. I would have gotten in big trouble if I did. Right, right. I had to keep my mouth shut until I got old enough. So yep. in my, my teens is when I started seeking. Good. Yes. So now, since you, when you discovered Eckhart Tolle and all this, this uh, metaphysical and now science, um, show, tell me how that has uh, affected your, changed your life. And before I forget, I don't want to forget to ask you, how has that affected your relationship with your parents? 
That's funny. I get asked that question all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm very much like you in the fact that I want everything to be uh, empirical, you know, observable. I want it to, I want to know that I'm believing something that lines up with reality. Yes. And so I seek out scientific evidence to support whatever, um, whatever beliefs I'm learning about that are resonating with me. I go, is there any science on this? And, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff being metaphysical doesn't have, uh, you know, hard science behind it because it's not stuff you can plop on a scale and measure or something. Right. But there are, you know, quantum mechanics, for example, is, the, is probably the best science for this that um, also opened up my mind to a whole new paradigm of reality of everything, you know, the unity of creation and understanding how it is actually scientifically true that everything is connected. Yes. Um, and, you know, Eckhart Tolle and all those were the gateway for me for sure. But it's actually kind of funny because, you know, like I said, my parents were never super dogmatic. In fact, they're always very, very free, spirit-filled people. So, you know, I think um, my dad had a little bit tougher time with some of the beliefs about, you know, not believing the Bible is inerrant, not believing that people go to hell if they don't believe in Jesus and stuff. Because, you know, he was a little more traditional in his religion, but um, he had a little more trouble than my mom did. But both of them have are totally on board with the stuff I'm teaching now, and they're both very progressive. And um, I don't really know exactly if everything I believe lines up with them or not, but they don't really ever express that it doesn't. And they're very proud of me and, and a lot of the stuff I teach. So our relationship is awesome. I couldn't be happy. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, I actually, I was very active in church for many years. Um, mm. I did the, I was the multimedia specialist. I oh, did, cool. all, you know, how the nowadays the sermons up on the oh, yeah. screen, the, the lyrics are up on the screen. I did all of it. And yeah. for a little while I did all of it for the, the, kids ministry and the adult ministry i it was like i lived at church yeah completely volunteered i was never paid i would literally donate 20 to 30 hours a week to church that's how involved i was but to be honest i the messages and i would see the message before sunday morning because i would have to get it ready for sunday morning um a lot of it the dogma of it never resonated with me then but I stayed with it for so long because I had friends that were like, oh, this is my social group. This is my friend's group, you know. And then when I decided in 2007 is when I left the church, mm-hmm. I said to myself, I said to myself, well, my friends are truly my friends. They'll still be my friends. Yep. But not the case. Not the case. <laughs> that, no, not the case. Not the case. But um. I always, and I always keep it, I still speak, I speak to them, you know, and they'll, they'll speak to me when they see me on the street or something, or in the store, they'll say hi, but um, a lot of them have backed away, Um, and I say to myself, what is the, I'm pretty much, the message is unconditional love, Mm -hmm. unconditional forgiveness, unconditional non-judgment, that's my message in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if I die and I'm at the pearly gate and St. Peter's going to say, well, your message was unconditional love and you didn't do it exactly the way we said you're going to, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> really? Yep. I mean, where do you, where does, I can't even understand how someone could really think that in their heart. To they be, don't understand it either. Yeah. They just, it's a blind belief they have, you know, yeah. that's all they can do. They're, they're so trapped in that linear 
dogmatic way of thinking. I remember exactly how that felt where like when I came out of religion, I, I had to disprove everything through the Bible first. So like I first stopped believing in hell, but I was like, well, I got to make sure it's not in the Bible or else I can't believe it because, you know, the Bible's in there and obviously. Right. And it took me, I just literally didn't have access to that way of thinking yet because, you know, you perceive what you are, right? So I had to filter everything through the Bible. It was the only okay. way I knew the world. Okay. And it took me a very long time, maybe like, you know, half a year to where I could go, you know, maybe it's possible that there are things in the Bible that are true and things that aren't. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I know for a fact there are so many great truths in the Bible and so many verses I lived my life by that proved to be true time and time again. So for you to say the Bible was inerrant, the way I heard that was all the stuff you believed is bullshit and you've been deceived. Mm -hmm. and so I couldn't, I couldn't accept that, right? So right. it was all or nothing thing. And it took a while to deprogram myself from that to where I could go, oh, I can keep the good and throw away the bad. Yes. In the same way, those people just do not have access to understanding reality amongst any other paradigm but that one they've been hammered to believe for their whole life. Exactly. And also what got me with the Bible in itself, it is a collection of books. It's a library. Yeah. It's a collection of books written by many different authors but also, those books have been edited. Some have been totally taken out of the Bible. You've heard of oh, the Gnostics. Yes. Oh, yeah. Books. They're totally taken out of the Bible, you yeah. know? And um, so when you look at that, so we're looking at a, the Bible is not a book. It's a collection of books. Yep. The Bible. word Bible literally means library. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So it's a library of books, and a lot of people are not even aware that the Gospels, the New Testament, was written hundreds of years after Jesus was here on earth. They, a lot of people really believe that it was written as he was here. You right. know, they don't even understand that those, those, that text was not written when Jesus was alive. Nobody was like following Jesus around and like scribing. Right. <laughs> With a pencil. Okay, let me write this down. Can you repeat that, Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Blessed it, are the what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. But so you know what? So many Christians don't even know that, are not even aware that the the New Testament was not written during his lifetime. It was written many hundreds of years afterwards. Well, that that idea is completely irrelevant to them because they believe that. Well, it doesn't matter how long after it was written because the Holy Spirit, you know basically raped people of their free will to write through them. Right. So he made sure that all the correct information got jotted down. So, <laughs> But then if you say to those same people, okay, so the Holy Spirit worked, wrote through them. Okay, that's called channeling. Yep. There are many books today that are being channeled. So oh, yes. are you telling me that the Holy Spirit could only work through people 2,000 years ago, yep. but not today? What about the books that are being channeled today that you can read in your language? Because, okay, we know the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And Greek. I think those were the three languages. So mm -hmm. I say to people, if I'm going to read the Bible, I need to re be able to read those three languages because mm -hmm. I want to read the original text, not right. the mistranslated, the edited, the deleted because it has been all of those things. Has oh my been, gosh, so been, much so. 
Yes, it's been mistranslated. It's been deleted. It's been edited. So if I'm going to read a book, I want to read the original work. I can't read Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew. I just can't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's such a travesty the way people have mistranslated the Bible over the centuries to sort of, you know, pl place their narrative in the Bible that they're, they're wanting people to believe rather than what it actually said. And there's no better example of that than the idea of hell, right? Yes. Every, almost everywhere in the New Testament where hell is written, the actual word is the Valley of Hinnom. Okay. And it changed the word, the Valley of Hinnom, to hell. Hmm. So like when Jesus says, the wicked shall go down to the Valley of Hinnom. So that was uh, in Israel, that was the place where, that was like the garbage dump of the town. Okay. And that was where they burned all their trash. And it was also, and this is all according to Josephus and other historians, it was also where the bodies of criminals and thieves would be thrown to be burned when they were killed, executed. Okay. Um, that was sort of like a huge punishment for Jewish people to not have a burial, okay. but to have their bodies burned. Okay. Um, and so it also was the place where all the outcasts would gather to like find trash, like lepers and diseased people who okay. weren't allowed to go into the city because they were contagious. They would hang out in, in the Valley of Hinnom. The shortened version is Gehenna. Mm -hmm. that. It's a real place in Jerusalem. You can go there today. Okay. So for Jesus to say the wicked shall go down to the Valley of Hinnom would be like you saying the wicked shall go down to San Quentin. Okay. I get right. you. Everyone hearing him in the actual first century who he was really talking to right. would be like, oh yeah, that's where all the wicked people go. Yeah. Um, but we change it to hell and now it becomes this fiery pagan mythology of an underworld where people get tortured. And that has literally nothing to do with what Jesus said. Okay. Yeah. See, it's told, there's so much misinterpretation. It's insane. In, in the Bible. And how many versions in English of the Bible? There's like. 500 million. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot of versions. And then you'll take, okay, I have this version and that version. Pick the same verse. And they don't even say the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. They oh, can't all be in inerrant. Huh? Say that again. I'm sorry. Like they can't all be inerrant. Yes, <laughs> I agree. So I I read a lot of channel. Like I believe in channeling. Same. Me too. I believe in channeling. I believe yes that the Holy Spirit or and, and your higher self could channel and your spirit guides could channel back in two thousand years ago. And I believe there's a lot of good, good messaging in the Bible. But I will read a book that's channeled today in English with, that has not been edited, has not been deleted, you know, is a, with the original channel text. I'll read that today over the Bible because, right. you know, and, I, and I, I have nothing against the Bible. Honestly, my belief in oneness is so grounded. I'm so grounded in oneness. I have nothing against anybody's no. um, belief, nothing against any, what a person does and what resonates with them. Hey, I, I bless you. You know, that because you're just another me, just like you said. <laughs> yeah. And that's serving them for where they are. Right. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So I never, I actually, I get in conversations with a lot of fundamental Christians, but it never turns into an argument. And I mm -hmm. think that surprises them. Right. Because I never try, I never say I'm right and you're wrong. I never come from that. 
I always just say, well, this is my truth. And my truth is very simple. And I mm -hmm. keep it very simple. And I like how I heard you say in one of your videos, because um, I say God is, un and I use the word unconditional because people forget what that means. Yeah. They don't know what the word unconditional means. Yeah. God, like, God is unconditional love. Yeah, and so I, that's, that's to me, bottom line. And they'll throw in, yeah, but he's judgment. I heard you say that. But he's also just. Yes, he's also just, yes. God, well, shit. <laughs> now we're screwed. <laughs> and I like that. And I just said, from my perspective and my knowing, in my heart, God is unconditional love, unconditional mm -hmm. forgiveness, unconditional non-judgment of another. Because mm -hmm. we're all one. So God judging another is just judging another aspect of himself. Right. We are aspects of God. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, the idea that God hates sin is really prevalent in Christianity, but that's just a very contradictory belief, right? Because uh, if if God if God is infinite, which all good worship songs about God's talk about how He's infinite, right? Yeah. Love singing about how God's infinite. Well, then that means only God exists. Yes. Right. There is only God. Otherwise, you have to come up with some kind of source for something else that's outside of God. Right. Exactly. So you can't have both, right? Exactly. So if God hates sin, then that means he hates a large portion of his creation, right? Exactly. So he's hating. It's like a potter making a, a clay vessel and then hating it, despising it. It yes. wouldn't make any sense. It's like, well, I created it. Right. Right. It's your child. It's like your creation is like your child. So mm -hmm. what, what parent? We hate their child. Even I mean, of course, we want our children to prosper and do well and be kind and be loving. But they're not always that way. They're right, they're learning. They're learning they're to learn. Yes, and and but what parent can? No matter what your child did, you can never hate your child. You it's know, impossible. you know, it's impossible. So how can God hate any of His creation? And it is all. His creation, but he, not only is it his creation, it is also him. Mm -hmm. he and it is him. Him and he and his creation. I I use the terminology he because we're used right. to it. Right, it just but, works. Yes, <laughs> they're one. His mm -hmm. creation and him are one. And him hating any aspect of creation would be hating an aspect of self. Yes, because God is love, right? That's all he is. So if God is love, then it's impossible for God to hate anything. Exactly. Either God is not love or love is also hate. Mm-hmm. It's just right. plain and simple. Yes. And I loved your explanation about contrast because I always use the yin, yin, yin and yang. Yeah. Yin, but then I was like, it's yin. Yeah, yin, yeah. yin. yin and yang, yeah. And symbol. And when you look at that symbol, the, the black and the white are equal. Mm -hmm. And it's all one. And God loves the contrast equally. It's polarity. So mm -hmm. for us to experience anything, we need that polarity. And we exactly. have the choice to go to either polarity. We mm -hmm. have the choice to go to a higher, lighter reality or darker, you know, reality. But we have that choice. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a very difficult truth for Christians to accept because they, they have this very extreme uh, hateful relationship towards evil that allows them, does not allow them to see how evil actually is of service to the creator in some mm -hmm. sense. 
Because yeah. like you said, there cannot be any experience without contrast. And so the difficult thing to really understand, but we all, anyone who experiences God in any, to any degree knows immediately that this is true, is that God doesn't blink at the light or darkness. Exactly. God is beyond everything. And to him, it's all just a cosmic interplay. And so even the evil, even people that are down the service to self path, you know, are also helping the creator to know itself because in the same way that you know what food you like because you know what food you don't like, right? Exactly. exactly. It's a very difficult path because it's, you know, it's the negative path. So it's filled with lots of suffering and isolation and loneliness. But some beings choose that path and they go down the path until they can't go any further down the path. Right. Uh, and the whole time they're doing it, they're almost like plumbing the depths for us to let us understand and see through them right. where evil leads and why it's not really, it's, it's not our inherent essential nature. Right. And so in a sense, we should be grateful for those beings because somebody's got to do it, right? Yes. And in truth, I believe that we all have done it. In truth, we've I all believe, done evil. Yes, we've all, but I, I believe in truth, since we are all one, we have done because we've lived many lifetimes, simultaneous lifetimes, not, you know, not one after the other, but simultaneous because time doesn't exist. Um, Einstein's famous quote, time is merely an illusion. So we're living all of our lifetimes at once. So now in one lifetime, we could be a saint. In another lifetime, we could be a murderer. We, mm-hmm. have, we have done it all because it's really just us. Yep. Only one of us. You know, mm-hmm. so we, whatever has been done, can be done, will be done, mm-hmm. we have done. That's what karma is all about. Yes. It's kind of the idea that like, you know, each one of us is like an individual unit of the one consciousness, right? We're all sort of a fragment of God's nature um, going out into the universe and experiencing itself in every way and, and uh, variation that exists. And so we are on a soul journey, right, where we go through so many, you know, infinite amount, who knows, of incarnations as the, as our soul progresses up, evolves up the densities of consciousness. And so we have to start at some level where we, consciousness wakes up to itself, right? Yes. So it's when consciousness in physical form begins to wake up from its sleeping state, Mm -hmm. it doesn't know right from wrong yet. So it has to go out and feel the boundaries. And so it makes mistakes Mm -hmm. and it commits quote unquote sins and evils, but Every time it does that, it suffers the consequences and it learns, right? Exactly. It's part of the created order. Exactly. And so like if in one lifetime, let's say you committed murder, you murdered somebody, well, it's, you know, the law of karma says it's very likely that you'll incarnate again as someone who gets murdered. Exactly. Consciousness has to evolve, has to learn these lessons. So you can't just skip any steps, right? Yeah. So the idea is that we go back to the non-physical dimension our soul goes back and we, you know, have a, this is what people who have near death experiences say, mm-hmm. you sort of commune with the higher self and you review your life and everything you accomplished that the famous life review, right? Yes. And all of the evils you committed are atrocious to you. They're so painful because in that environment, there's only love and unity. And yes. So you see, you experience everything you did through the eyes of the other person. Exactly. And so because of that, you know, when you go, when you go back into that incarnation, you have to veil yourself again. That's the, the game you play, right? To actually have an organic evolution. So you yeah. can't remember your previous lifetimes. Otherwise, it wouldn't even be a real experience anymore. Exactly. So in order to learn that lesson and sort of purify that distortion from your soul, you right. may go back as someone who gets murdered because right. that's the fastest and easiest way to learn that murder is terrible and always wrong. Right. If that exactly. makes sense. I get you. 
Like so it all serves a purpose. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's a, a, another avatar to that, meaning I do, a karma is balancing. So it's balancing. It's balancing. That's what karma is Because the universe has to stay in balance. So karma, definitely you go through that life review and you feel exactly what happened. That the, the pain you caused another. You mm -hmm. feel that pain. And so you're like, oh my goodness, I have to go back and fix that. You know? And yes. so you go back and you have another life. Um, and of course you don't remember your previous life. But you, in... Here's where free, see, destiny and free will go hand in hand. And here's an example of how. Um, so say you murdered somebody time, and you come back and you want to, um, your karma is to balance out that act. Mm -hmm. You have a choice. You can um, be killed. That's a choice. But you also can save a life. Right. So you can, you can actually balance out karma. See, people think of karma as always neg, uh, balancing out a negative act with another negative act. But you mm -hmm. can actually balance out a negative act with a positive act. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. free, here's where your free will choice is in that new life, in that second life. You can choose to be murdered or you can choose to take, go and save a life. Mm -hmm. And that will also balance out that same karma. So a lot mm -hmm. of people say, a lot of people don't understand that free will and destiny go hand in hand. And in mm -hmm. every moment, you do have free will. Mm -hmm. You get me? Most, most definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, a lot of people think that karma means you are taking the sort of consequences from your previous life into the next life, right? So right. this is what the ancients also believe, which is like... Um, if I was a sinful person in my previous life, I'm going to have a crappy lifetime you know, to pay the dues for that evil lifetime. Right. This is why we see in the New Testament, like some of the Pharisees will say to like a blind person to Jesus, they go, which, which one of these uh, men's parents sinned that he was born blind? You know, right. They believe that you're like paying the consequences for your previous life. Right. Um, but what it, what it really is, like you said, is balance. Yeah. And that balance can come about in any form of catalyst that you desire. Exactly. So, you know, the more, the more extreme the lesson is, the more extreme the, the catalyst or the suffering is, you could say. Right. The quicker the lesson is learned. Yeah. Um, so some souls choose to learn lessons through much more difficult catalysts, right? Exactly. But everyone that is here it has chosen their lifetime and their incarnation for a specific reason. Exactly. And it's difficult to understand that from our perspective inside of this, you know, 80-year lifetime that mm -hmm. seems like so long, but... From a non-physical perspective, it's just a flash in the pan. Exactly. It's like walking into a movie, walking out of a movie. Which one do we want to see next? Let's go see that movie. Yes, 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 yes. And then people, I get the question a lot too, why do we choose? Like you said, and you gave a great example, but just a movie, going to, to a movie theater, which I did yesterday, going to a movie <laughs> theater, and they had 20 movies playing. Um, they have 20 theaters anyway. But yeah. going, going to a movie theater... You go like, I don't like scary movies myself. I don't like a lot, but some people just love them. Some people love to be scared. Some mm -hmm. people love all of the, you know, craziness that movie makers make these movies for. There's an audience for them. They wouldn't make them if there was an audience. So right. that's our life. We choose these lives for that experience. So some people might go to a scary movie because they, 
have, they enjoy being scared, you know? Yeah. So we plan a kind of a, a, a lifetime that's difficult for the experience of it, you know? Yeah. So it's it, exactly um, using a movie theater because to the soul, it's like going to the movies. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, what kind of movie am I gonna have now? A scary one, a sad one, you know, a happy one. It's my choice. Yeah. It's like going to the movies. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you know, you can guarantee that you've had a lot of suffering in your previous lives, you know? Yes. You've probably been a victim of abuse. You've probably been an abuser. And so when, you under, when we understand that, it's, it's impossible to judge anyone. Exactly. That, that's exactly how non-judgment comes about. Because when I see and I know I'm one with everyone, so I know my soul has experienced everything. It has experienced being a murderer. It has, been, it has experienced being murdered. It has experienced it all. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I do believe in, I don't know if you do, because um, I haven't heard you speak on this, um, soul planning. Mm-hmm. That when we're in spirit, we actually plan, but it's not linear. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we as human, we think of everything as linear. Um, it's not lin- linear. Every, in every now moment, we, when we make a, a different decision, your soul plan goes in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that everything, um, um, like if someone kills, we are sovereign beings because we are a part of God and God is sovereign. Yes. Sovereign beings. So nothing can happen to us without our soul agreement. Meaning nobody can kill you without your soul agreement with that soul. And maybe, like we said, um, maybe you killed that person in another lifetime. So they're mm-hmm. gonna kill you in this lifetime. And that's a soul agreement. It's like mm-hmm. okay, and then you know, after the life, like, hey, you did a great job killing me. You know, you did <laughs> <laughs> Like you really you murdered the hell out of me. You played that role really good because it's a role. It's just yes. So you played that role really good. Okay, next time I'm gonna kill you even better. You know. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but in spirit, you know, from the spirit perspective, it is like it's that lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But um, so if if I got killed or you got killed, we have we had a soul agreement with our killer in in our soul when we when we were planning that soul that Mm -hmm. i mean that life experience yes that's hard for a lot of people to understand but from the human perspective without the context of evolution and understanding eternity uh that's impossible to understand yes Um, because the only reference frame that we have is this lifetime Yes. This is the most important thing. Sorry about that. I forgot to turn that off. That's okay. No, we're good. So, you know, this life is all I know. Therefore, it's all that there is. Therefore, it's the most important thing. Um, But if you can zoom out and have a more cosmic perspective, then you can appreciate the difficult catalysts you go through because your life really is just a flash in the pan. It's sort of like when you dream at night, it it might appear to you in the dream like you live a year-long lifetime in that dream. Exactly. You wake up, you're like, oh, it felt like it only was a few seconds, you know? Yes. And um, if, if you fall asleep and you don't remember your dreams, then to you, it's as if you fell asleep and woke up in the same moment, mm-hmm. right? You kind of go, oh, that's weird. I don't remember falling asleep. Yes, that's, exactly. that's how eternity is experienced. Exactly. In the same way for, for your higher self or your soul, when it goes back to the non-physical, your lifetime was just like a momentary dream. 
Exactly. So you extract the benefit, the data, your soul is um, shifted in its vibration due to the catalyst you experienced and you evolve a little bit higher up that density spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, what, what are the next lessons I want to learn? Yes, and exactly. some souls choose to spread it out, right? Like let's say that you have um, a lot of anger in your, in your frequency still and you need to purify that anger out of your frequency by learning the lessons of love and understanding. Yes. So you could just go, well, I'm just going to choose a lifetime where I get abused by someone. And then I'll mm-hmm. everything I need to know. Exactly. So I'll do that. And then other souls go, I'm going to spread this out over like three lifetimes. Mm-hmm. A bad breakup in one of them, a bad divorce in another one or whatever, right? Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to not judge anyone for the decisions that they're making. Because, you know, sometimes in some of the channeled works, I'm sure that you read that I, have, I do as well. Sometimes souls do bite off more than they can chew. Yes. But that is allowed because free will is the, the first law of the universe. Exactly. So the higher self is going to go, oh, that's going to be too hard for you. Yeah. You know, it's going to give you the options and you choose and decide. But when you go back to the non-physical, there's always a healing time that takes place. Yes. Um, which is what all these NDEs talk about as well, is that everything, every uh, intense experience, every trauma we, we experience in this life does get healed before we reincarnate. Yes. But we don't take those memories with us of the healing. So we just take kind of where we left off vibrationally speaking. Yes. 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 So. And, then, and like you said, when we do plan a really, really tough incarnation, it's to, to speed up our evolution. Like you said, yes. you take on like, okay, I can handle this, this, and this in this lifetime. You know, mm-hmm. your, your spirit guides and your higher self are like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. And in the soul, in that, you're like, yeah, I can do it because you know it's like that. You know, it's just, yeah. it's not real. You're not going to physically, you can't get hurt. You know, you're, you're an infinite being of love and you can't be hurt. So you know that. So yeah, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's like, a good analogy. Yeah. Imagine if you earned money through bad dreams. Right. So if someone was like, okay, uh, you can earn as much money as you want based on how bad your nightmare is. What would you really do? You'd probably be like, give me the worst nightmare possible. Right. You wouldn't even care. (laughs) But once you're in the dream, you'd go, what, what, what evil sadistic bastard put me here. Right. Yeah. But then when you wake up, you go, oh, that was quick. Yes. Yeah. It's all about perspective. Yes, exactly. Because in truth, it is, it's our lifespan is a blink of the eye. You know, mm-hmm. and soul, and actually, not all of our soul is here. Just a small portion of our soul comes mm-hmm. into this incarnation. The large, we couldn't all fit in this body. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're much too big. So the the larger part of us, our higher self, never is in this body. It's mm-hmm. always and it's always connected and always with us. So yes. it's always guiding us. We always have it at our disposal. Yes. Yes. And you know, the other thing to bring into this equation is that you might have chosen certain catalysts, but you don't like, it's not like you get to know every second of your lifetime before you incarnate, because that's kind of goes count, uh, contradictory to the law of free will. You just yes. understand, okay, these events are going to happen to me. I will accept these kind of things for my evolution. But you also get to make decisions while you're here. Exactly. Right? And so your evolution is also dependent on how willing you are to respond to that catalyst and make the right decision, have the right response and, and extract the benefit from it. Exactly. So you, you can choose to um, sit in, and stay in that suffering as long as you want to, right? Exactly. No one's going to stop you from doing that. Exactly. And you're right. It is, it is a choice because for me, the suffering is um, pushing against what is. 
okay, this happened, okay, how do you, we can, when you're awakened, you understand that this is a movie, a play of your own creation. It's like, okay, I created that. I created that for my highest good. And you don't even, you don't have to even know why, but you know, when you're awake, you know, you created it and you created it for your highest good. So now how do you respond to that? You know, you don't have to fight against it and push against it. When you're, when you're always pushing against your reality, to me, that, that's what causes suffering and pain. That is the root of all suffering. Mm-hmm. Resistance. Resistance. But when you say, okay, I created this. I created it for my highest good on a soul level. And you don't need, like you said, you don't have to know exactly why or remember that lifetime or remember all of that. But mm-hmm. you just, you, I own it. I own my experience. And then I was like, okay, now I'm not going to push against it. I'm going to allow it to transform. I'm going to allow it to just, then it will transpect. That, that situation will transform before your eyes when you start to allow it and not push against it. Yeah. The only way to transform it is to allow it. Yes, that is exactly right. That's where the rubber really meets the road, you know? Yeah. You can have the you can have the concept all that you want, but until you actually integrate the concept and apply it, right? Sort of like a mathematical formula. You can be taught in school mm-hmm. a formula to solve a you know calculus equation, but until you actually take the test and apply the equation, right? You're not you haven't really learned it yet. And so in spiritual truths, until that belief becomes a real experience for you, you don't actually know it yet. Exactly. Because exactly. truth is not a concept. Exactly. That, and you, know, you just hit on something very important, experience. Because mm-hmm. we don't truly learn something until we experience it. Yep. That's, that's very true. And that's so why that we choose applies, catalyst. Yes. That applies to the soul as well. Mm-hmm. So the soul comes into this experience for our evolution to learn, but we can't learn it if we don't experience it. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Powerful. Very powerful. So please share more with our listeners on how now what you're doing with your channel, how you're growing your channel. What's the message of your channel? I just I love it. Well, I have a quite a bit, uh, a wide variety of different uh, videos, topics that I do. Um, I have a, a playlist section where you can find all the different playlists that I have. I do um, a lot about law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff about enlightenment. Yeah. I have a, a, a series called Moving Backwards that's about um, helping progressive Christians move out of religion and into true spirituality and a more holistic approach to their faith. Yes. So we tackle a lot of the deconstructing issues and stuff there. Yes. Um, I have a, you know, a playlist called Mind Science. I have a playlist about astral projection. I have guided meditation. So kind of whatever your flavor is. Okay, question. Um, now, I did see that you had those videos on actual out-of-body, I'll call it out-of-body experience. Uh-huh. I've never had one. Explain how you got into that. Well, I got into that when I first left my church and moved back to Oklahoma. I started to research meditation, and I was on these different forum boards, and I started reading about people who were having astral projections. And I was like, what is this? This is crazy. These people are going to these astral planes and having all these adventures. And this is amazing. Like if this is real, I want to know how to do this. Right. So my scientifically, you know, minded way of thinking was like, well, let's put this to the test. So let's experiment. Let's see if it's actually possible. Okay. So 
I read all about the different techniques and what these people were doing. And I just said, if this is real, it'll work. Right. right. And I, I believed that it was possible. And I went into my room and I sort of laid down and went to the visualizations and all that stuff. And lo and behold, I had like a very brief, but very intensely real astral projection. Wow. So that experience opened my mind to a whole new way of perceiving reality. And I said, okay, let's get into this. And I kind of devoted the next, you know, two years or so of my life to really, really practicing that art form. And uh, it, man, I learned almost everything I know about law of attraction came sort of organically through astral projection. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So you need, so the, the out-of-body, to me, it's easier to say out-of-body experience. Your out-of-body experiences taught you about the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Really? Awesome. Yeah, you get to see it in, in action a lot quicker and easier in the astral. In, in higher vibrational density levels, it's, it's instantaneous, basically, right? Right. Like your dream, when you dream at night, that is an astral projection, but you just aren't conscious of the fact that you're doing it. Yes. Um, but that is a, the, the simplest definition to me of astral projection is anytime that consciousness changes its phase relationship with its environment, Mm-hmm. that's an astral projection or you could say anytime it changes places its focused awareness into another vibrational density level that is an astral projection so mm-hmm. at night you are astral projecting into the dream dimension you just yes. aren't lucid so you don't know that you are yes a lucid dream is also an astral projection yes so it's like reality is one energy field there's not like different stitched together dimensions or something right uh, it is one spectrum of vibrational energy and so you just matters a matter of where you are on that spectrum. Right. So right now we're right here in a very, very dense reality. Exactly. Um, a dream is a very uh, much less dense, you know, thousands and thousands of times less dense reality. Yes. So law of attraction works thousands of times quicker. Um, if, if I want to build a house with my mind, I just have to visualize it, see it, feel it, and then I see it materialize in front of me. Okay. I got you. I understand what you're saying. And I do believe when we were talking about when you, when we try, I don't use the word death, when mm-hmm. we transition, when we leave wow. our body. And I do, I love that you said this is a very dense reality. When we leave our body, when it, the first thing I think we realize, because we, we see the people that's had those experiences, the death experience, they're looking down at their body. So the first thing yes. they realize, they're up on the ceiling looking down at their body. Mm-hmm. The first thing they realize is they are not their body, you right. know, people who think they're their body. So the first thing they realize, wow, I'm not my body, body, I'm still here. And then the other thing I say, think they realize is that, um, that well, there was two points and that the second one. <laughs> uh, from an out of body experience? Huh? Out of body. Well, that, well, even like when a person dies, I believe that they realize, number one, they're not their body. Yes. That life is eternal, that they're, even after their body is gone, they still are living. There's still mm-hmm. consciousness. But yep. there's other, I just, it went in and out. It might come back. It might come back. <laughs> yes, I'm a, a little bit older than you. So they have, I don't call them senior moments. <laughs> <laughs> But they go. I forget stuff all the time. Yes, that happens. But um, and you were uh, saying about dreams, okay, and the density, because mm-hmm. science has proven this is, this is um, basic science that we are not living in a physical world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put anything under a high-powered microscope, what do you see? 
you see atoms and they're moving, right? Mm -hmm. And now science has even discovered that inside those atoms, it's 99.9999% .9 empty space mm -hmm. the atoms. So we're, quote unquote, living in a physical world made up of atoms, but the atoms are 99.9999% empty space. So in truth, the world is not physical. Science no. has proven that it's not physical. And in truth, it's dense. It's mm -hmm. very dense. It's, it's dense spirituality, basically. It's still spirit, but it's very dense. Yes. If you want a good example of that, to, to allow your mind to kind of grasp what 99% empty space is like, mm -hmm. think about placing a P in the middle of a football field, like the New York Jets football stadium. Yes. Um, the closest uh, particle, I believe, would be the electron. Yes. About the size of a cotton ball, and it'd be rotating around the outside of the top of the grandstands. Yes, exactly. That is the actual scale of an atom. So that is literally 99.9% .9 empty space. Yes. And it's all, it's just light in an entangled quantum relationship. Exactly. So like this cup, for example. Yes. It looks like a cup. Right. But what it actually is, is photons of light stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked trillions of times. So that when you zoom out far enough, yes. it looks like a cup. Exactly. But if exactly. you zoom in, it's actually 99% empty space. Exactly. Which is hard to think about. Another good analogy is if you think about the Empire State Building, if it was made entirely out of Legos, <laughs> you could only notice that if you were close to it. Okay. Right? But if, if you go far, far enough away, it would look exactly like the Empire State Building to you. It would yeah. have every exquisite detail, every little antenna. And you go, oh, there's the Empire State Building. Nope, yeah. you're looking at Legos. Mm -hmm. Very true. And so that brings us me to the point that our human senses are extremely limited. We, mm -hmm. science has proven this, that our, so when a person says to me, I can only believe in what I can see and what I can hear and what I can touch and feel with my five senses, I, my question is, do you realize how limited those senses are? Mm -hmm. Because if you're saying that you only believe in what your five senses can detect, you're saying that you're negating 99.9% of the rest of what is out there. Yes. Science has proven dark matter, dark energy, at least 96% of the universe. Radio waves. Yes. Gamma rays. You can't see any of that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So... You know, I just, I just try to invite people to really think about those kind of things. You know, how limited we are as human beings. And to only rely on your senses, you're limiting yourself tremendously. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this has been, a, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're a very busy guy that, works at Google. Yep. <laughs> I love Google. <laughs> I do too. Yes. I didn't know Google was in the Bay Area. I don't, uh, oh, yeah. Silicon Valley. Okay. See, I've heard of the Silicon... See, I don't know the West Coast. I need to... Where are you from? I'm from the... I live in the Poconos now. Northeast Pennsylvania. The Poconos. Oh, okay. Yeah. And every, I always tease people because everybody has heard of the Poconos. It used mm -hmm. to be the, many, many years ago, it was the honeymoon capital of the world. But oh. Yeah, many, see, you're just a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Long before you were born, it was My the honeymoon. honeymoon. 
<laughs> but um, it's Northeast Pennsylvania. A lot of people think it's in New York, but we do border upstate New York, but um, it's in Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, yeah, the Silicon Valley here is where every tech company you've ever heard of is from. We've yes. got Apple, Facebook, Google, Instagram, Microsoft, on and on and on, Twitter, LinkedIn. I drive past all of these every day on my way to work. So, Awesome. Awesome. Very good. I, yeah. I, I hear Google is a really great place to, to just, you know, even before I found out you worked there, I found it's a very good place to work. It, their environment oh, is yes. very progressive. Very progressive. You're not going to find a better work environment. I mean, they've got everything you can imagine. They've got a kitchen in every single building stacked full of food and vitamin water and everything you can imagine. They've got, you know, massage, personal training, haircuts, laundry on site, uh, game rooms, bowling. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Right. And they're very holistic minded. I mean, you can oh, yes. talk about this stuff with your coworkers. Cause, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, at some jobs, you wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff. Very true. Yes, yes. That's yeah, fun. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate you being my guest today. And I do hope to stay in touch with you because I had some ideas that you might be interested in us, like, joining forces. Definitely. East Coast, West Coast. I would love to. Yes. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. Yes. Well, thank you. And please share with our listeners how they can stay in touch with you, how they can reach you and follow all your good stuff. Uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Christ consciousness. And Instagram is just my name at Aaron Abke and same with Facebook. So you can find all my content there. Okay. Awesome. Just Google his name. <laughs> yeah, that's easier. <laughs> Google Aaron Abke. <laughs> You'll find some. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate you spending this time with me and my listeners. And I just am very honored to have found you on YouTube. You're a shining light. Well, thank you so much, Caroline. It was my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Yes, we will. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.